0: What are you doing here? Is this the Atropos Defense Systems? I'm you, which means this is my past. I'm in a memory. What do you mean you're me? Nah, I don't think so.
1: Adam, we should start playing a game where you guess the quote that I used to intro the episode.
0: Oh oh interesting. That would be that would be you have a really no idea. Fun game. No, I, I have I have no idea what you're gonna use.
1: I, in fact I don't even know how often you listen back to our episodes. I know you're not you're not <laughs> like you're not the type to listen back to Oh to uh, don't that put you're me in. on
0: this don't put me on the spot like that, Aaron. So you don't probably do don't that. even
1: hear you probably don't even hear all my hard work that goes into the editing and choosing the quotes and you know, all the transitions and stuff.
0: I I know you, I I know there's hard work that goes into it and I definitely appreciate it. And I know that you, you do a great job of splicing in audio. I have listened to the random episode here and there, but it is definitely not a hobby of mine. I cannot stand the sound of my own voice.
1: (laughs) I've gotten so used to it. Like the first couple of times you hear it and you're like, I don't sound like that. But having podcasted now for I don't know how long we've we been doing this at least seven oh, years, eight years. Yeah. At know. least. Yeah. Uh, so I've just gotten used to the way I sound in recording. So it just sounds normal to me now, but that's, <laughs> See,
0: that's, that's, that's the problem. Most people say, Oh, I don't sound like that. I know darn well, this is what I sound like and
1: I can't stand it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, honestly, I don't even know at this point, you know, we're, we're recording now. And later on I'll be editing, so I haven't decided yet what the you know, the intro quote from the episode, the title of the episode, all that stuff. I haven't I haven't picked that yet. That'll come later tonight probably. Nice. nice. So if you have any suggestions while we're recording, you could let me know. Like this would be a good quote to put in the <laughs> intro. Sometimes it's hard to pick. It really is. Like or sometimes it's just a matter of finding the easiest, most accessible quote that I can find on a video because sometimes it's hard to dig up some of the some of it. So. Oh,
0: and and when it's hard to pick on most episodes, I can't imagine how hard it is to pick on an episode like this where there is really no consistent storyline.
1: Yeah, and we've pulled back the curtain a little bit on kind of behind the scenes of some stuff of our show before. And, you know, one of the things, one of the rules is uh, the intro has to be the doctor talking. But this inter- this episode's interesting in that there's two versions of the doctor that could be talking so you know the the intro could be it could be the 13th doctor it could be the fugitive doctor or it could be them talking back and forth to each other yeah don't, don't get too many opportunities to have an actual conversation in the intro because usually it, it's just the doctor talking so now it can be the doctor talking to herself
0: there you go so there I'll have to go. try to
1: find a segment with that so and you and at this point you've already heard it all so <laughs> um but yeah this this episode man this season has been uh pretty cool i would say i i'm really enjoying just the mysteries and the twists and turns and even this episode we'll get to it we'll, we'll talk through everything but there's a couple things still hanging out there where you're just like i don't even know i don't know what this is i don't know who this is i don't know what this means and yeah it's it's been quite a ride
0: yeah, and and I'm okay with that uncertainty. Maybe maybe my the faith that I'm placing in uh, Chibnall as he's leading us through these stories. Maybe it's blind. Maybe it's misplaced. Um, maybe I shouldn't have such a, a uh, enjoyment out of just being blindly led through this story. But it's really good. And I can't help but think that there is a purpose and there's a plan behind the the madness that we're watching unfold on the screen. Um, it seems like things are working towards a logical conclusion, as logical as, a, as it can be in a Doctor Who episode, um, a logical conclusion. And this is, this is a really solid six episodes for Whitaker's Doctor to go out on.
1: Well, we're only halfway through oh man they could they could totally not stick the landing we'll see (laughs) we will see no i i I fully expect that um the the rest of it will be very enjoyable but yeah we're at the halfway point so it's a little early to call
0: it's a little it's a little early to call but there's just something about even the pacing um and it's frenetic the pacing is absolutely frantic as we go through these episodes. But there's even something different about the pacing than what we've seen in Whitaker's two previous series, and and it kind of it kind of makes me wonder what could have been, right? And again, like you said, are they going to stick the landing? Who knows? We still have three episodes to go, um, with a couple specials <laughs> following that to see what could potentially happen. Um, but I'm I'm really pleased with where we find ourselves right now.
1: Same. And it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to talk through this episode because you and I have not had a lot of back and forth. Sometimes we'll, you know, text back and forth, or we'll do some pregame before we record. We really haven't talked about this episode much at all, so um, I'll be very curious to hear some of your thoughts on on some of the things that were dropped on us. But for now, let's just. I think we're just gonna jump right into the review. Then we'll we'll talk about the trailer for the next episode at the end, and then. That'll be the episode. So um, for this one, we are in the third episode of the season. Um, Once, comma, upon time. And quick synopsis. Atropos has fallen once again. The doctor has thrown herself into a time storm in a desperate bid to save her friends. As time itself comes apart, she finds much more than she bargained for. As all four are lost together in memories, past, present, future. So many roles they play, so many choices they have endured. And now what happened once has come again.
0: How great is that synopsis?
1: I mean, I was tripping over my words a little bit. because Oh,
0: absolutely. Because like... <laughs> it, it basically is the episode though, right? Like there's so much in there to unpack. There's so many ways that it could be read. So many ways that you could trip over it. That's, it's, it's the mystery played out in the synopsis.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm looking through some of the you know kind of credits here, and this one was this one was written by Chris Chibnall. I think they all are right so far, and I probably the whole all six will be credited to Chris Chibnall. Uh, but the director's name is Azher Saleem. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah. There's a character named Azure. I wonder if that was some purposeful, like, oh yeah, let's name a character uh, in kind of reference to, to the director. Although the director is a, is a man, not a woman, but uh, Azure as
0: That's. I was curious to see what other things he might have been, um, might have been credited, but I am not finding anything that jumps out to me.
1: Yeah, he's born in 1981, so he's a year younger than me and much more accomplished. Uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, I was looking through like some of his credits here to see if anything stood out to me, but his biggest credit is, is Doctor Who. So, yeah, I, I don't know that that he's done. Uh, oh, it looks like he's so he's he's credited for chapter three, and then also for chapter five, and maybe chapter six.
0: I mean, at this point, it's a heck of a credit. Like it, it really is. This was a. It was a well-done episode.
1: Yeah. So right away, we're introduced. uh, They don't quite pick up where we left off, but it gets there pretty quick. But we're introduced to a new character to us. Um, Although I believe we saw her in the trailer at some point. But this is Belle. Um, Young girl. She's in the Dalek sector of her own naming convention. And she has survived the Flux. And we'll get to, I guess, kind of the importance of this character. But, you know, new character, what were your impressions of her?
0: Oh, right from the get-go, I had all sorts of theories (laughs) regarding who this would be. I was already anticipating that things would get a bit timey-wimey mixed up in this episode. And the fact that they started with Belle and then kept returning to her as a character. And just the way that she was approaching different situations that she was put in. I I had
1: some theories. Um all okay. of them
0: all of them incorrect. Oh, um, so you
1: were disproven throughout the episode.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it was I, I took a great joy in having these things disproven. Um but I right away she hooked you, right? Like the the way that she kind of just muddled her way through the Dalek sector, kind of jumped from uh, hedge to hedge to wall, hiding from these things the uh, the way that she expounds upon the situation I, I found it all very, very engaging. Um, nothing about this this little scene threw me off.
1: Yeah it was it was a nice introduction to an interesting character. She kind of catches your attention right away, um, has a certain spirit to her that's kind of fun to watch. You can tell she just, like, enjoys life, and she's just adventurous, and she's, you know, optimistic, and just, it's the kind of character you really like to root for. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, and she, she does reference that, like, the maps are kind of off. Uh, time is acting weird to have a scene where she's walking, and all, all of a sudden it just goes from light to dark, like, in an instant, yeah. like, somebody flips <laughs> the light off. Yep. So you can see the effects that are happening because of the flux. We haven't seen um those effects to this detail kind of what's going on in the rest of the you know galaxy slash universe uh so it was kind of cool to see um the consistency of what they were talking about with what was happening with like the centaurans and that that world and the map and uh how it was consistent with what's going on everywhere else
0: oh absolutely and in the fact that as a character right
1: she's she's faced
0: at this point with Daleks and and typically yeah, they, they are a little bit comical in appearance. But ultimately they do wreak havoc, right? They they end up destroying a lot of things and killing a lot of people. And and she just takes them in stride, right? The the line that she says, you and me, my love, we fought them. Like she's it, it's almost that approach of been there, done this already. They're really not that big of a deal. I can get past them. I'm just moving on.
1: Yeah, and that actually didn't stand out to me as much on the first kind of the first time of watching it the second time i watched it because of knowing you know who she's talking about um and it's not like you know obviously we're reviewing an episode that if you're listening to this you probably watched the episode so it's not a spoiler um to to kind of go ahead and start talking about this but you know she's you know looking for vendor yeah and so she's saying you know that she's fought the daleks with vendor before so that kind of opens up all these questions of okay what what were her and Vinder doing fighting Daleks? You know, when, you know, what's that about? Um, And they both seem very young, uh, but he's in kind of this military type job. Who knows what she does, Uh, but they've, you know, obviously had time to have a relationship and, and now have been separated. So it's, it's an interesting, I feel like there's a lot of mystery around this relationship uh, that, could be important, could not be, you know, I think who knows what it means in the end. Like if, if it really matters other than just the fact that there's these two people that are trying to find each other and that's the story or are they connected to the, the bigger narrative? Yeah.
0: It, it's, it, it's something right. Like ever since the, the um, articles about Davies taking over and his desire to do spinoffs and create a universe and all this other stuff came out, my mind has like latched on to different things like this. And this is probably one of the first times that my mind was like, oh wow. You know what? I could probably take a spin off series of Bell and Vender. Because like you said, there's there there seems to be a lot of things that it's like, oh, I I want to know more about this. Or I'd really love to see how that panned out. Or just just these little tidbits that are tossed out there that I find really interesting. One of those being the fact that they both fought Daleks.
1: Right. Another thing that happens while she's you know kind of trying to get out of there is she she mentions this uh, entity that's kind of swarming around and like killing people. They show it on screen as it starts out as a blue, what I would call a swarm, but not necessarily related to the swarm that we've been talking about, but it's almost like a swarm of little entities that are consuming people, but when it consumes them, it, it kind of changes color to like a purplish color. And I don't think I get we get a little bit more explanation about what it is later in the episode, but yeah, I, I still haven't kind of made the full connection as to where where this is coming from.
0: Right, it, it, it's I don't think we're supposed to make the full connection at least at this point. Uh, the it is interesting. I find the similarities interesting in regards to how this blue swarm causes people to disintegrate <laughs> and then the same way that swarm and azure do something very very similar like there's there's there has to be some correlation there either that or maybe the flux is just all about watching people disintegrate in that way
1: right yeah and we'll talk a little bit more about the blue the blue uh stuff <laughs> I don't, uh, what was the the guy from 1820 he called it uh, Mites. <laughs> yes. Which made me think of uh, Cybermen, but like Cyber Mites.
0: I did too.
1: And at first I thought they might actually be related, like it might be actually like a cyber type thing, but it, uh, eventually we find out it's not.
0: I'm glad that it's not.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, so they give us that intro with Bell, and then they kind of jump back to where we left off, you know, because it was a big cliffhanger. We had Swarm about to snap his finger, and... About to, you know, basically let the time stream flow through these mortals and it's yeah. kill, you know, Vinder and Yaz, most likely. And you know, they kind of leave us hanging as to how they're gonna get out of it. And so the Doctor has a bit of a Sherlock moment here. How did it strike you? So was she she just has that moment where she's kind of slowing down time in her mind and like talking about like, Oh, usually I can figure these type of situations out. Like I, and she's kind of going through almost like her process in yeah. her head of how she handles these high pressure situations. Not, not something that we've typically gotten, you know, to kind of get into the doctor's head like that. Um, and it reminded me of Sherlock, uh, when, you know, obviously the, the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock, where oh, yeah they, they do that, you know, Kind of zoom into his brain and I guess they did it in the in the Sherlock movies as well it's kind of a, something they did with with both modern Sherlock's
0: yeah I I really liked how this played out
1: because like you mentioned the last episode
0: ended where Whitaker's doctor really looked helpless right like the what who we've typically seen as being the most clever person in the room also just in this point of like, no way out this is going to happen like the azure is counting down and it's really inevitable and so for the episode to end that way and then this episode to kick off very soon after starting with the doctor going through the process and then some of the things the 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 statements that the doctor says they're just they're enjoyable right they were enjoyable to listen to they're enjoyable to read um The whole idea of like, I spend my life walking to new places and weighing things up fast. Who's who? Who has the power? Who's in danger? How fast danger is coming? Mm -hmm. Also, how likely my friends are to die. Like, those statements are just, I don't know. They're just so doctor esque, right? So to have her all of a sudden in this moment, us kind of peeling back the curtain and being able to see that unfurl in her mind, and then finding out that she's not entirely helpless and she does have a way out i really enjoyed this short little snippet of a scene
1: <laughs> she did seem to defy time there at the end though when she makes her decision on she's gonna initiate a time storm uh so that's gonna stop basic, essentially stop time i guess it seemed like for and then it lets them jump into that time stream and and gives her more time to figure it out i guess uh but in order to do that she needed to put get Dan onto one of the platforms and herself onto one of the platforms so she could do something with her Sonic and then it causes this thing to happen. And the fact that she was able to do that all within the amount of time that he was going to snap his fingers was a little bit, you know, she was kind of like the flash (laughs) in that moment. That was the only thing I questioned because it was like, okay, she did the thing, but like they had already gotten us to the point where he was snapping his fingers. In fact, I think we hear the snap. Yeah. at the end so it was kind of like yeah it was all working through her brain pretty quickly but then she had to do something physical by moving herself and dan onto those platforms um was the only thing that stuck out is like yeah i don't think she could have done that that fast (laughs) maybe the doctor has speed powers that we're not aware of until now
0: they were all they were all very close to the platforms already
1: well and it's timey-wimey so maybe by something that she did with uh you know with the time storm, it was able to give her a couple extra seconds.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll take that.
1: Yeah. Um, gets us into, she enters this time storm, which is a new concept, right? Like, I didn't Google it, but I'm pretty sure that we haven't had time storms before. Yeah, uh,
0: sounds sounds
1: about right. Something The thing that it rem- reminded me of was, you know, when when Claire jumps into the doctor's time stream. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And I had so much issue with like how they never really resolved it. And I talked about it for probably way longer than I needed to for like a year. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if I probably, I need to go back and rewatch those episodes cause I'm sure they probably resolved it. I just didn't pay attention. But uh, yeah. So that kind of reminded me of that similar type of thing where it kind of seemed like the doctor was entering, you know, a time stream that she, she didn't have control over. She's getting pulled in one direction or another and all of her companions that went in there with her are also getting pulled away and she's trying to figure out how to control it all. It's kind of, it's, it's very chaotic.
0: Oh, absolutely. And the, I, I think that's the main, the main thing, right? She, she didn't have control of the situation. It was the massive risk that she had to take. She had to put herself, her companions, into a situation where there's really no control, but it bought her time. So it's, it, it does seem interesting. Um, but I think it played out pretty well.
1: Yeah. And she's taking a big risk because they were talking, like, you know, we'll get into some of the other element or other things that happen while she's in the time stream later. But, you know, it's pointed out to her by multiple people like, this is a risk. You might not survive this. <laughs> you might yeah, make the-, the wrong decision. <laughs>
0: When the Mori tell you that this was a bad idea and they're the ones that typically control time, they probably know what they're talking about.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so, so she gets in there, she sees a weeping angel. So that was kind of out of nowhere. And then she sees her companions kind of all get pulled away. And then she herself gets pulled into the first scene we see where she's now outside of the temple um, in a different time and she's back with her team quote unquote but we quickly realize that the people that she's with aren't necessarily who she thinks they are and she's not necessarily who she thinks she is
0: it, i mean it, it it is one of those things where at first glance it's like okay this is interesting like is this a i mean if you're a fan of marvel if you've been following along with anything you're you're so used to the multiverse at this point right the the idea of same people but kind of living different lives. It it almost hit me as that, right? I, I did think that this was the doctor. I thought at least at this point in time, when this scene first starts, that it truly was vendor Dan. And yes, it's just something else was taking place or she was in the middle of something that she was not used to. Um, but we quickly find out, like you said, as things progress through these snippets of a scene, that not everything is as it seems, seems uh, um, and probably even more so.
1: Yeah. And let's stop here for a little bit, because I feel like if we just follow the flow of the show, it's just going to be a lot of back and forth, and we're not going to get a chance to really discuss some of this stuff in detail. Because they really, they just jump from one thing to the next and back to the thing, and Because this is a a pretty big part of the episode is their time here at the temple and, you know, kind of the slow reveal of what's going on. So we have the doctor, she shows up, she's basically acting like herself initially and her companions um, point out that, what do they call it? Um, Temporal uh, hazing, hazing. Anytime she starts to act like the 13th doctor, they're like, oh, it must be the temporal hazing. They actually give her some sort of like a, like a stem or like some sort of a, a shot in her neck to kind of cure her of it. Um, and then she starts acting the way they're used to her acting. Um, and then, so they're trying to rescue hostages. Uh, we haven't been told like what the details around it are, but the, basically they're they're trying to get in there and rescue these hostages. We do find out that the companions aren't, who she sees she's seeing the companions but they're actually other other people and but if am i wrong that we're only it's only revealed to us that carbonista is basically who dan who she sees as dan yeah is actually carbonista but the other two we never they never really reveal
0: no they they never reveal who the other two are um, there was an interesting an interesting image that I saw floating around Instagram with uh, pertaining to Doctor Who where someone put in who they think the other two individuals were um, which was which was fun to see. but yeah, we're only ever told that Carvanista is the one that she sees as being damned
1: Right. Uh, do you think it do you, do you have any theories as to who the other two were or do you think it matters or do you think we'll <laughs> We'll ever find out, or was that just uh, okay? These are two other soldiers. Carvanista's is the only one that matters.
0: Well, but. I think I, I don't think the other two matter so much as who they are as individuals. I think the, the good link for us to make is that she's working with the division, right? Like Carvanista was a member of the division carbonista is with her there so she's working with the division at this point in time so the other image that i saw was someone replaced um yaz with the member of the division that we saw in um the fugitive doctor episode um mm-hmm. where joe martin first shows up so the the one uh yeah i've, I've the, the member of the division that she meets at the end of that episode which it was like oh dang that actually makes kind of, that that makes a lot of sense But I don't think it necessarily matters who those other two individuals are, and I don't think we're ever going to find out who they are. But just the recognition of oh, the division is involved at this point in time.
1: Okay, I kind of had a feeling that it did matter, and and in at this now I'm after having watched the episode a couple times, it's like "Eh, I don't think it matters as much as maybe on first blush when I first watched it. I was like, ooh, like who are the other two? Like what's the secret? Um, I was thinking, oh, maybe the master is one of them, you know, or maybe uh, maybe it's someone else that we've we've known before. But, yeah, I'm kind of more inclined now, like you're saying, I don't know that we'll ever know or that it matters. It is interesting that Carbonista is there because, you know, they've talked about them, you know, him being a member of the division. And we know the doctor had worked with the division now. So now we're getting a little bit more detail around um, the timing of, I guess, when the doctor worked with yeah. the division um and, and invader says something to her that I, th- I found very interesting where he's basically like we have to get this mission done so you can so you can get out of this right
0: oh yeah absolutely
1: so i thought that was very interesting because it's kind of implying that the doctor is maybe working with the division not willingly or kind of against her will doesn't really want to be working for the division and then if she can complete this message the mission they'll they'll kind of free her of whatever you know whatever responsibility that she had to them.
0: yeah I I think that is that is a major key I mean we re, we've referred to Joe Martin's doctor as the fugitive doctor right like that is how she is known <laughs> she is a fugitive Well I think this is a small glimpse of or at least furthering that discussion of what is she a fugitive of or because of what is she a fugitive um so what'd she do prior to this that led to this and then kind of really what happens after this that then throws her out of the division's good graces
1: right and then we do see uh joe martin or we see the fugitive doctor uh she sees her in her reflection so that you know, it's revealed that okay, now we're getting the full picture. This is actually a mission that was taken on by the fugitive doctor and this team, including Carbonista, uh, to stop Swarm and Azure back in the day. Um, and I, was, and that's that's like it was really cool to see the fugitive doctor back. It was also cool to see the personality shift when it was when it was the fugitive doctor versus the 13th and how different their personalities are, but we got to see Jodie Whittaker kind of play both. And, but we also got to see Joe Martin. I, I will say though, I almost felt like they should have just had Joe Martin. I mean, I guess it would have taken some of the mystery out a little bit or the reveal maybe would have been not as cool, but I felt like they should have given her a little bit more screen time and let her play more of the, those scenes.
0: It would have been really cool if when they're in the, um, I, don't, I don't know what we want to call it, the temple room where the throne is set up, where Swarm and Azure put their thrones. Like as they're panning around the doctor, have it like go behind a post and then have Joe Martin's doctor sitting there or standing there and then go back around another post and the 13 reappears, appears and basically interchange them in the midst of dialogue there. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem a little bit like a lost opportunity, though I, I mean, we know exactly why they did it. Um, because they really want the Doctor to be there in the time stream. What I found really interesting, though, is that it's the Fugitive Doctor looking in the mirror that's like, who the hell are you? What are you doing in my, refle- my reflection? Like, she's able to see the 13th Doctor in her reflection, um, and the 13th Doctor is able to see the Fugitive Doctor in her reflection. So j- I, I, I don't quite get why... The Fugitive Doctor is the only one that can recognize the difference, um, but it's definitely there.
1: Yeah, they, you know, whatever's going on with the flux, right? Like we said, that that's going to be the excuse for everything. So, yeah, whatever's happened with the flux is allowing them to see different versions of themselves. It is interesting, though, that uh, the Fugitive Doctor, having seen the Thirteenth Doctor. I guess, didn't remember seeing her because she doesn't know her later. But I guess that makes sense, too, because the flux probably. Like once they fixed time, maybe it made her forget. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I I love the fact that like the fugitive doctor refuses to accept like she did when we first met her, that the doctor has any connection to her. (laughs) Like, Like, what do you mean you're me? Nah, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to No, I'm not going to become you. Yeah. Um she seems very unimpressed with <laughs> with the thirteenth <13th laughs> doctor. Uh but yeah, it was it was definitely cool to see her and and we get the confirmation now because it's it kind of made sense and been speculated. Most people had kind of come to agreement that this fugitive doctor is a previous version of the doctor yeah. and not someone from the future of the doctor. So it's now, you know, all but confirmed that this is this is a version of the Doctor, pre, pre uh Hartnell, yep. And I, I would go out on a limb and say I think this Doctor is probably pretty, pretty close to. the the regeneration into Hartnell. I don't know that she regenerates into Hartnell, but they're kind of implying that, you know, they did some sort of a memory wipe with her, and the the division are the ones that did it. So. I'm kind of wondering if that is the case, if, if she's the ne- or if she's the previous directly in front of Hartnell and not, not like 10 doctors before Hartnell.
0: I would say that makes sense. Um, I still wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that at some point, somewhere down the line, even more mystery is injected in the situation or someone takes the story some entirely different direction.
1: Yeah, and they probably won't. They probably don't want to nail that down yet because they want to have some flexibility in the storytelling where they could kind of fit her in a couple different spots. But, but yeah, so there's much more. There's more that happens in the temple. But we'll we'll kind of jump back to some some of what's going on with the other companions. So so Dan, when he gets pulled out of the time storm, he goes back to Liverpool, and he's there with that girl that he accidentally stood up. Yeah. Uh, what's her name again? Di-
0: Di- Diane.
1: Yeah, so he's there with Diane, and it's kind of like he just – he's there holding coffee. They're just chit-chatting. He doesn't really seem to be aware yet of, like, the weirdness of what's going on. And then they, they show him look up in the sky, and he sees that blue swarmy stuff. And then suddenly he's, like, shifted into nighttime, and he's sitting on the steps, and he's still talking to her. And then I think that's where he starts to kind of come to realization, like, wait something's not right. This isn't, this isn't normal.
0: Yeah. The, the, the constant changing and then like the typical um, like zone out on Dan and then it flashes and then he's, he's in the middle of a conversation. Um, I feel, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to decide who I feel worse for in regards to the time streams that they jump into, whether it's Dan, Yaz or vendor and at first I was going to say Dan, but I guess as we talk about the other ones, they don't necessarily have a walk in the park either. But as Dan jumps between these different moments, we we see Passenger show up, which I'm really glad I asked the question about or pointed out Passenger last episode and asked who the heck is Passenger? <laughs> why are there now three of them? Because it, 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 they definitely expound on the mystery of Passenger in this episode.
1: Yeah, we find out more about Passenger in that it's not – a person yeah it's like a prison essentially that they can they can fit hundreds of thousands of people is what they said um kind of imprison them in these in in these passengers and that's that's what they you know the fugitive doctor and her team that's what they're there to do they're there to rescue these these hostages essentially uh these passengers so yep we were our speculation never even went anywhere near that direction.
0: Oh no, absolutely not. Um and I'm kind of pleased that I mean I'm not I'm not opposed to how they're handling passenger at this point.
1: Yeah, and they show they show the passengers from kind of the previous timeline in the new timeline. They never really show what happens to that passenger. Not yet. They kind of they never really show like You know, I guess we'll, we'll talk about that stuff uh, later, but yeah. So Dan is kind of back in his normal time stream and he's, he has that stuff happening with Diane. And then, um, Yaz is thrown back into like her past, you know, where she's still like a police officer and they're showing her in a police patrol car with the doctor kind of in the other seat. So, uh, but we see that the doctor's not actually there. she's just trying to communicate with Yaz, which seems to happen throughout the whole episode. you see you know people switching their faces continue to switch.
0: Yeah, I was is is Yaz her time stream a past memory because there, I think when she's like another scene that we get to with her when she's with her sister, mm-hmm. she specifically points out, to the doctor when the doctor finally shows up like that's the thing these aren't my memories like these things haven't happened yet and so it's like dan is in these situations where yeah he's with die but they've never happened yet Yaz is in some time stream of hers where it is kind of like her normal life she's with her sister she's with a patrol person but they haven't ever happened yet um Mm -hmm it's like they're these pseudo like the doctor calls it out. Like they're either past or future memories of these individuals. Uh-huh. Um, but Yaz is not alone. Like the doctor shows up and then she has probably the most disturbing experience because the angels show up.
1: Right. Yeah. Yaz keeps seeing the angels and when she's in the patrol car, she sees them like in the rear mirror. And then when she's with her sister, they're playing video games and she sees him in the game and then outside of the game. You know, it hops out of the game. Yeah. Which is something we knew Weeping Angels could do. That was something they kind of established in um some of the some of the 11th Doctor stuff where the the Weeping Angels could come out come out from a, you know, an image. Yeah. Um, and so that was something we knew they were able to do. So she, you know, the Weeping Angel jumps out into the leaving a room essentially. And then Yaz picks up the video game and throws it and crashes it into the ground, the, the console. And that was enough to get rid of the, the weeping angel.
0: <laughs> this time. And I will say that the writers have never, ever tried to make Yaz's sister a likable character.
1: <laughs> right. Ever. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. they. Yeah. She's just kind of that annoying younger sister, I guess. yeah but yeah and that was i guess the yaz's was the one where the the weeping angels kept showing up and i guess the doctor kind of says that you know that her time stream seems to be the one that's getting messed up so maybe you know she's with her sister she's in that patrol car but not all the details are quite right you know she said that the house wasn't even her house that type of stuff where maybe they're implying that because the weeping angels are in, you know, implanting themselves into the situation, they're the ones that are kind of causing it to be a little bit wonky. Yeah. So yeah, so we get Vinder as well. Um, he, we get a little bit more information about him, where we see he's with, you know, his commanding officer. He's getting a promotion because of some great deed that he did. Uh, but the the commanding officer is Yaz. You know, so they're kind of. You know, he's seen Yaz, but it's actually not Yaz. And um, that's where we saw in the trailer where Yaz was kind of switching between herself and an old man. Yeah. Uh, so Vinder, we find out, I guess, kind of a little bit of history on Vinder. We still don't know kind of where he's from. They don't say, as far as I remember, they don't say the name of his planet or his people. You know, they give us just, you know, some information about his, him, but... There's still some mystery surrounding, like, where is he actually from? Oh,
0: absolutely. All, all they really nail down is, yes, military um, military background. And he seems to be pretty darn good at his job. Um, he has pretty high degree of integrity and honor. And he is willing to put his life on the line to do what's right so he's he's being commended in this this meeting with his superior officer for for flying into a blaze um and it's, and, and escaping with his life and he he's pretty humble about it that yeah the craft was damaged but um, he made a judgment call and it just so happened to work out
1: yeah. And, but he gets assigned to be kind of like the personal assistant of the serpent,
0: the grand serpent, the grand serpent. which, which I mean, from the very get go, you know, that this dude is going to be sleazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and they, when they introduce us to him, he, he looks the part. Oh, absolutely. And he is, you know, he's a jerk to Vinder, but more than that, he's, he's very corrupt. And Vinder quickly realizes he's going to have to kind of stand up for what he believes in and to the de- detriment of his own career uh, The this this Grand Serpent is going to have. He's going to have like one of his political rivals, you know, his family murdered. Yeah, essentially. And he's making this deal with these other people and that's part of the deal. And he doesn't want Vinder to record that part of this, of the meeting. But then Vinder reports back to his superior officer and, and basically tattles on the guy, and um, and they're like, you know, do you really want to report this? You know, this might be a career-ending decision. And he sticks with it. You know, he says, no, I, you know, I I have to report it. I know it's the right thing to do. And that's how he that's how he gets kind of banished to the the Rose Station. So now we have kind of the backstory on like why he was there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that pretty much accomplished or fills in that entire story, right? Like, yeah, there are definitely bits and pieces that we want to know uh, regarding his past um, that has been alluded to by bell, but we now know why he was uh, on a space station why he was still doing his duty, even though he seemed a little bit bitter about it, understandably so at this point. Um, but yeah, that's that's how he came to be where he was when the flux went down.
1: And since he's there, I guess may, they're kind of implying that that's how he got separated from Bell. Yeah. And so she was expecting him to come back. Uh, he sends a message that says, "Hey, I'm gonna. It's gonna be longer than I thought because of this reassignment." And and then the flux happens. So then now she doesn't know what happened to him he doesn't really know what's happened to her and all she's got left is this message from him yeah and um so that you know that's why they've been separated and she's she's determined to find him but he's also determined to find her uh we do find out that they were married and that um that she's going to have a baby
0: yep she's expecting and she's carrying her wonderful little take me around with her
1: yes like a little, uh, I don't even know what you would call that.
0: Honestly, I think it's a baby monitor.
1: I was thinking the same thing. Like they showed a couple times where it's showing like emotion or it's showing heart rate and stuff. And yeah, I'm thinking, this is her. She's carrying this device almost as a a thing to monitor her health to make sure that the baby is healthy.
0: Yeah, like at first you you just think, oh wow, it's like a really advanced Tamagotchi. Yeah, and then at the end when you find out she's expecting, it's like, oh, that's why she's talking to it, and she's like, oh, heart rate elevated. Well, that makes sense. Like she, like yeah, it's because it is her baby.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. now I had heard. Um, I'll give credit to to Foster Truman on our Facebook group because he pointed this out. Um, and you know how much I love fan theories. Oh, absolutely. But uh, he had mentioned that there was a theory out there saying that that the baby is the doctor and that that they're gonna reveal that Vinder and Bell are the doctor's parents.
0: See, I would be, I would honestly be disappointed if that wasn't a theory floating around, (laughs) right? Right? Like, like the the way that things are getting tied together and we've already experienced the whole Rory and Amy and River Song relationship and how that all played out. It, It makes sense when something like this is introduced in the final couple episodes where we've already spent like last series wondering where did the doctor come from? <laughs> what is the source of the doctor to, to get this relationship introduced? I'd be really disappointed if people weren't jumping to that theory. Now, do I think it's going to play out? I, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily want it to, no. but I, I would be disappointed if we weren't jumping to those conclusions.
1: Right. Yeah. And it actually had never really occurred to me when they said that she was going to have a baby and, you know, and even the reveal, it's like, okay, there are these two lovers trying to find each other. To me, I just came, came across it's like, Oh, it's a sweet love story. Like I kind of appreciated the, the fact that they decided to have that as part of their characters, you know, that they, they're those type of characters that just like, they love each other so much that they can't live without each other. They're going to go to any lengths to find each other. Yeah. You know, and um, I kind of appreciated that and thought it was kind of sweet, but never I wasn't really thinking much into like, oh, well, you know, is the baby somebody important? Like, is it somebody? Could it be the doctor? Um, So when he kind of threw that when he threw that theory out there, not that it was his theory, he was saying he had seen it on online somewhere. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think he said he hopes that this is not the case. But so when I watched it the second time, I was looking for it. You know, I was looking, <laughs> okay, well, you know, is there any indicators uh, that, that I'm missing? Or And I couldn't really disprove the theory right. by, by rewatching watching it. Um, there are some, you know, I was looking at her ship, the symbols in her ship. I'm like, do they look, you know, Gallifrey? But I guess it wouldn't matter because if, if they're the doctor's parents, it wouldn't necessarily be related to Gallifrey. Yeah. Um, but there were some, there definitely were some symbols in the ship that kind of looked... R- similar to gallifreyan but not not exactly what we're used to seeing um but yeah so it was kind of one of those things where i was looking for for ways to disprove it but really couldn't um the reason i don't think it'll be that is i feel like the mystery of the where the doctor is from is going to be something that is later down the road i don't think they're going to be wrapping that up um in this in this series
0: I would like to think that they won't be wrapping up that mystery in the series, but I think there might be even another character in this episode that might get us closer to that than vendor and bell and, and Ting me.
1: Okay. You have me intrigued.
0: Okay. Well then I'm just going to let that sit and we can go on with the, the review of the episode. We'll, we'll the get o- there when we get there.
1: Okay. The other thing I'll say is we were talking last time about, trying to remember the details around the the um, the timeless remember, child. Timeless child. I almost said impossible child. Impossible girl, timeless <laughs> child. Uh, the timeless child and kind of her origins. And so I went back and rewatched some of that. And, you know, really all they say is they found that the, um, the woman that found the timeless child found her on an unnamed planet. Yeah.
0: They
1: don't say where. And there's this kind of portal type thing up in the sky and she finds this little girl at the bottom of this of this portal and says you know it's you know it could be from another gal, or it could be from another dimension or another universe I think is the terms that they used Uh, so it was like okay that doesn't really tell us anything you know you can you know you had said well maybe she's from another dimension so it's definitely a possibility because they do use that terminology that she could be from another dimension or she could be from another universe. So, but yeah, that's really all we know. So if her parents were Vinder and bell, I feel like it doesn't really fit with the idea that she's coming from this other place, you know, that Vinder and bell seem very of this universe. Yeah. And of the time that the doctor is already part of. Um, And not from a, you know, ancient time where, in, from another dimension type situation, this, it seems too, I don't know, too convenient, I guess.
0: I, I think the the one thing about that, Aaron, though, is
1: the flux. The flux could throw everything off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly. It transported like, this, them from the other dimension into our dimension.
0: Well, at this, at this point, like w- what has been referred to time and time and time again is that, with the Mori out of place, if anything happens with uh, the flux, time is meaningless, essentially. Like you can fall into any time stream at any point in time and it just doesn't matter. So, what's to say? And, and I'm totally playing devil's advocate right now. Like, I'm not saying this is at all what I think, but I think they could potentially be like, well, the flux happened. Bell and Vinder got zapped into the past or who knows. Maybe the Weeping Angels did it. Like they did it with Amy and Rory, so why not do it with Vinder and Bell? They zap them back in time and boom, we have the doctor. Huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that. That's not my theory. Don't hold me to it. But I'm just saying stranger things could happen.
1: Right. Yeah. I kind of hope it I just kind of hope it's not connected oh i'm I, with you i kind of hope it's just uh two new characters they've introduced us to and their story is just about their love and it's not connected to to anything else but we'll see
0: we i mean we we are a sucker for star-crossed lovers that that wait for thousands and thousands of years and fight through all sorts of obstacles to be reunited
1: yeah, the other thing that uh, he had mentioned in his comments, we were going back and forth a little bit on it in the Facebook group, and he had said that one of the basis of the theory was that Bell says, "I wonder um, if he's going to look different," and you know, essentially is you know implying that their species could change the way they look. So, oh dang, uh,
0: I didn't I didn't even pick up on that. I just thought time wise but
1: yeah that- that's what I thought too when I first watched the episode that she was just saying oh if he's gonna look different because it's been so long since she's seen him but then when you look at it from that other lens you're like oh I guess yeah I could see why if, it, if they have that ability to regenerate uh, she may think oh the next time I see him he may not even be the same person or he may not look like the same person
0: oh dang
1: so that that was the best I guess you know element that that uh i could see maybe connecting it it would be a nice line that they threw in for a later reveal but at this point i kind of hope it's not true just because i feel like i've been spoiled if it is
0: <laughs> oh yeah i like i i am with you 100% like i don't want that to be the case and that that line is such a throwaway right like two people who've been separated for who knows how long And you just wonder, like, how have they changed? But when you do deal with regenerations and Time Lords, that line can mean so many different things. Oh, crap.
1: I feel like there's so much more because I was thinking, oh, we can move on from Belle. But there's a couple other things uh, that are probably worth mentioning. She does say she does have a line where she says that someone at a bar told her yeah that atropos is falling the you yep. are compromised and time is beginning to run wild and i was thinking in my head like is it that much of general knowledge that just somebody at the bar would be like you know did you know the you are compromised you know oh, like, do
0: you know who would be at that bar though who captain
1: jack <laughs> captain jack i think he's i think he's written himself out of the series
0: <laughs> i think That's he has part. but he can still get a <laughs> throwaway reference right like <laughs> what other dude would be at a bar and know exactly what's happening
1: yeah it just so it was such a random line where I was thinking I feel like the what's happening with the Mari and kind of the controlling of time and space and all that stuff just seems like above the level of, of bar discussion
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, I, just, I, I thought that
1: was I, that was a funny line um, yeah I agree and then she does fight Cybermen as well on her ship the Cybermen attack. They infiltrate her ship. I will say that I like the actress. Not great at the actiony stuff. She didn't sell it very well for me. (laughs) Uh, You know, just some of the stuff she was doing with the flipping around and the guns, and it just didn't seem like it really. Maybe they didn't have a lot of time to train her, but um, but yeah. So she takes out the Cybermen, and then she, the one at the end, kind of she talks to long enough to try to get some information out of him, and. And she was kind of pointing out, like, we've seen the Sontarans, the Daleks now, the Cybermen. And they're just basically trying to take the scraps of the universe for themselves yeah. after after Flux. So that's why we're seeing these different species. It's not necessarily that the Flux has brought them all here, but right. they're t- trying to take advantage of what the Flux has caused.
0: Yeah, I, I just love the fact that
1: Bell is so
0: flippant about Cybermen. Daleks, like every, every other time they've shown up in any of Whitaker's series, like they've been, yes, a little bit goofy, but they've been formidable threats, right? Like they've, they've been something that they've written to try to make scary again. Belle just doesn't give a rip, right? Like she, she just passes by Daleks like they're no big deal the cybermen she takes them out and she actually looks like she's enjoying doing it and she does it so that she can have a conversation with one um, she just she just doesn't care it, it's kind of refreshing to see her approach these villains the way that she does
1: right and then she at the end the the, the cybermen's kind of like well why are you, what's your mission and then she tells him love And then she shoots him and kills him. (laughs) (laughs) That was just kind of a a nice juxtaposition of, you know, she's a, she's, she is a very caring person that's trying to find her true love, but she also will kill you in cold blood. She was tired of talking to him.
0: Yes. Yep. She doesn't need to put up with the whole no emotion. Emotions are not missions.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, All right, so enough about Belle. So the doctor keeps jumping in and out of the time storm, but one of the things she's trying to do when she has the time is she sees the Mori there, and she's trying to convince them or talk to them about, like, helping her. Yeah. And at one point, she's trying to convince them, like, you you need to send some of your Mori to this place. And I guess she said she needs four of them, right? Right. So to to fill in the other places the the ones that are burnt out and the places that you know um, you know Yaz and Bender are on and to fill that in so they can take retake control of time but also save her friends um, and ultimately she's able to accomplish that task and and convince them to do it. Yeah, I. So
0: this is one thing that I've kind of gone back and forth in my mind not necessarily the the doctor in the time storm talking with mori um and and bringing that to a resolution because ultimately through that move they they're able to kick swarm and azure out and rescue everybody but it, it, it's going back a little bit more in regards to the mori's place on the planet time in the first place like the, the Mori showing up is what ultimately allowed the Fugitive Doctor to defeat Swarm and Azure. But Swarm says all sorts of stuff about how having a planet called time and like time cannot be controlled, and the Mori weren't there in the first place, and just kind of like the arrogance of thinking that they could control stuff. And then he goes off about the age old battle between time and space. And he does a lot of exposition there, which it seems like there's some nuggets in there that need to be uncovered. It's just really hard to parse through exactly what's happening on the temple of Atropos with the Mori swarm Azure and the doctor.
1: And they mentioned the dark, like the dark times. Yeah. in right now, like time has been out of control and I guess Azure and Swarm are part of the problem. And they've, they've come to this, this place and basically set up thrones for themselves. Swarm looks the way that we saw him when he was captured. Uh, so he's not in the, the same form that we were used to seeing him in the last couple episodes. Um, but yeah, they're kind of implying that the universe has kind of been, at, been a bit of a mess because time has been out of control. And we don't really know what caused that. So there's probably an implication that there there was control at one point, control was lost, and now they need to regain control of time. And Azure and Swarm are kind of like, you can't do that. But the Doctor's like, yeah, I can because I got some Mori. And it's like, okay, I don't really know. Are the, are the Mori just a species you know, out there that just have this ability? Are they gods? Yeah. You know, it, it does seem like... Um, It seems like they've, they're kind of a tool of the doctor at this point Uh, because it's now the second time that she's convinced them to go and almost sacrifice themselves for the good of the, of the, of the universe to control time.
0: Yeah. And there's just a moment in that speech by Swarm about the founding conflict where it's just like, maybe he's right. Like should should the doctor really be trying to control time? I mean, totally no context at all regarding like what does this all actually mean. But it's almost like, yeah, like do you want to control it? Obviously, in Doctor Who, you do. But just a really interesting concept. But yeah, the more it, the more he kind of just show up and take control, and they're they're another convenient plot device um, to to fix things.
1: Yeah and like who was controlling time before them right uh, like or has it always been out of control until this moment <laughs> you know like yeah. it doesn't seem right that doesn't seem like the way things are should be going but it, and i don't know that we'll ever get a full explanation but it is it is interesting um all the different things that they're introducing that seem to be like pretty important to how the how the, the universe works yeah
0: and and it all comes back to the division right that's the planet called time the swarm says this you think you could cower before the division when you when we have taken control of its dirty secret a planet called time um so it's (laughs) like the the planet is the divisions and the Doctor's helping to bring the division back
1: to its planet yeah i don't know and i don't even know like of what the role that Division plays. Yeah. You know, because it's a, Gallif- a Gallifreyan thing, but, you know, they are called the Time Lords, so there seems to be a story or, you know, more more to be revealed, I guess, maybe in kind of how the Gallifreyans and the Time Lords are involved in this as well. Yeah. Is, is the Division just an offshoot of Gallifrey where they're kind of running rogue? Or are they is it part of Gallifrey where you know the leadership in Gallifrey is well aware of what they're trying to accomplish? It's you know these are things that we just don't know yet.
0: Yeah, but but and how ultimately, do they get Lampari on their team? <laughs> he was uh he was bound he was bound to someone. Uh, um, maybe. Ultimately, though, the Doctor finds herself in the Time Storm. She's arguing with Amori. She figures out. She realizes that this is her one chance to basically drop anywhere in her time stream to try to get more information about who she is um, and why she's lost memory of swarm and Azure and pretty much like what else has she lost her memory of? And so that's when the Mori drop her into a really interesting interaction.
1: Yeah. The doctor is basically begging yeah. The Mori like cuz she doesn't she doesn't know. She she's been the master has revealed to her that she's the timeless child. He's told her that you know she's the beginning of Gallifreyan society. And but she doesn't now she doesn't know where she comes from. Yeah. And so she's desperate to find out anything she can so she's basically begging the Mori at this point. Let me see one more thing. I need one more clue as to like who I am. And I don't even know that they necessarily granted to her because it seems like they're like, "No, we're not going to do that." Right. And then she kind of fights back, and then suddenly she appears in this, you know, this place with this this random woman um, that seems to have a lot of information about the doctor. Yeah. Um. Some, yeah, you know, I'm sure you have the you have the quotes there. Um. Some of the stuff that they talked about, but. You know when she first shows up she says um i forget what she exactly says to the doctor but do you have it there yeah she she tells the doctor to stop fighting stop fighting um
0: man. you think you can navigate all those time streams without anyone noticing you're fighting a lost cause you need to stop um and then <laughs> no this not this time there'll be no glory waiting you on this one um, I'm telling you the damage to time is already done as intended.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The flux was spatial, but it was uh, but it was possible it wouldn't be enough. The ravager swarm, azure are rare and useful creatures. Now they've been reintroduced Think of them as a temporal poison or a contagion. And then she basically corrects the doctor for asking the wrong questions. And then this is the line that sticks out to me. Everything has its time. Nothing is forever. Nothing is certain. not you. Not the universe you love, uh you you seem to love so much. And then basically saying like things are coming to an end. Uh, she is so this is this is what I was alluding to earlier, where I think we're I think this is the character that gets us closer to the doctor's origin than any other character in this episode. Oh, yeah. That this this character is I mean, I've again. There are some theories about who this character is. the The name of the character, A W S O K, Osok. I have. I mean, they never say it in the episode. It's just the name of the character. It,
1: I'm really curious to know who this really is. Or is it just a new character that we've never been introduced to before? Someone yeah. from the Doctor's past, or maybe someone the Doctor's never met but has been kind of pulling some strings. Um, are they from Gallifrey? Or are they from the other dimension that the doctor's from? Are they related to the doctor?
0: Are they initi- Are they the initial person that found the timeless child?
1: I mean, it's a different actress. Different name. Yeah? Probably not. I don't know. I mean, that person did was able to regenerate, but uh, I don't think so. I don't think it'll be the same character. But Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be revealed. There was a, there was one of the quotes that you didn't say was, um, you said the part about as intended. Oh, she said the flux, it was made. It was placed because of you. And I remember joking around with you last episode where I was saying, Oh, what if the big reveal is that the doctor is the one that caused the flux? Um, (laughs) And then it's like, Oh, I don't know that she caused it like on purpose. But it does sound like something she does is going to uh, maybe cause the flux to happen. Um, Someone, whoever caused the flux to happen did it because of her. At least that's what this woman is saying, uh, which I thought was an interesting interesting idea. And maybe timey-wimey, because maybe it's something where the doctor has already done this, uh, and now they're seeing the repercussions of it in the past.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, we could go back to... Or go back and say like, this is the reason why the fugitive doctor exists, right? She did something. She's running from it. This is why. Hmm.
1: Yeah. So once again, some interesting, uh interesting cliffhangers there. There's um, a couple other things. We didn't talk about the the guy from the 1820s in the tunnel. <laughs> Williamson. He. he <laughs> He's with Dan and they had a kind of a funny interaction like because it sounds like this guy, he either thought Dan was someone else or he's already met Dan in the future and Dan doesn't remember or it hasn't happened to Dan yet, but he thought Dan should know more than he knew. Yeah. Why are you acting the way you're acting? Like, what are you doing? Uh. So I thought that was kind of interesting.
0: That I I guarantee this dude is going to show up in every single episode have, like, a weird interaction with someone, right? He interacted with Yaz, he's interacted with Dan, and we probably aren't going to see any explanation of who he is until the very last episode of the series.
1: Yeah, probably not. Uh He's intriguing, because he's the one that maybe right now has the most mystery. Because even Bell, we've gotten some backstory, and, you know, You know, I guess this lady that just got introduced to the doctor is kind of some mystery there, too. But he's just got no, like, nothing has connected yet to him. No. He's just there, and he says weird stuff.
0: Yeah, he has the most mystery, but I guarantee he's the one character that has the most context. Like, I think he knows exactly what's going on, but we know nothing about him.
1: Yeah, he, he does seem to have a little bit more of awareness of the big picture than just about anyone that we've been introduced to
0: right the 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 most the most awareness through a 19th century mind like the fact that he's
1: back vile
0: demons i'll smite you all like he probably doesn't know exactly what everything is but he has a a pretty good idea of what's happening
1: and there was the part where um was it the cybermen that were there too
0: He was, I I don't know. We don't know what he was
1: shooting at,
0: but he, he hides from the swarm. And like when they, when Dan's like, is that what you were running from? He's like, no, there was something else.
1: Yeah. Okay. And the, the, the mites, the flying blue mites. Yeah. They fly away, but then he's like, they're coming back. And then it looked like they interacted with Dan and that's what tossed him out of that time stream and back into his own time stream. And I was kind of wondering because there's, they talked about those things in a couple of different ways. They said they, oh, what did the old guy say? He said something about, he's seen them rip people out of the more their mortal yeah. time stream or whatever. Um, but then later on, the doctor kind of said that it was time correcting anomalies. And so I didn't know, are these things actually like touching people and disintegrating them or are they touching people like, weeping angels do and sending them wherever
0: i i I mean i know right like we it would be very easy to look at what the angels do and think oh wow they just straight up disintegrate people but no we we know now that they're sending them elsewhere um we don't know where we don't know when but they put them in other places maybe these things are doing the exact same thing it's they're trying to time is breaking hunting down anomalies um
1: or maybe it's... this is the the evolution of Weeping Angels. Like this is them in their first form or something. Yeah, it could be. Before they solidified. Um, yeah, because they definitely have, you know, obviously Weeping Angels kept popping up throughout the episode. And then we see this stuff and the idea of time, um, you know, being this chaos. And and once you control it, they they said, well, the damage has already been done. So the these time is still trying to like fix the anomalies. And so then I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe that's kind of the origin story for Weeping Angels is that that's what they're doing. They're, they're trying to go around and, you know, fix anomalies by throwing people into different, you know, different <laughs> places or whatever. So or maybe that's how they started to fix anomalies and then they evolved to be a little bit more aggressive.
0: Yeah. They, they have a broken chameleon circuit now.
1: Yeah, and we do know that the next episode is going to be very focused on Weeping Angels. Um, But we'd be remiss not to mention that that Vinder got his opportunity to have his Tardis moment. He did, and I have to say,
0: I I really liked his Tardis moment. He seemed legitimately excited.
1: I liked it. It was surprising because he opens the door. For one thing, the door is still the Tardis is still all jacked up, so the door is like on the floor. Uh, But he pops his head up through the TARDIS and he's like, what? (laughs) This has like a very, you know, kind of, you know, relatable. There wasn't any clever lines back and forth between him and the doctor. It was just, you know, Oh, cool. Like he, and then he says, is this a TARDIS? Like he knows what a TARDIS is. Yeah. He he never had been in one and thought maybe they were a a myth, but you know, he's, he's well aware of what a TARDIS is. Um, And, was excited for the opportunity to maybe even fly it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even even that in and of itself. Sorry, I'm going back to the the silly theory again. But like, the fact that he knows what a TARDIS is, like, is that is that interesting, or is that just kind of another throwaway line?
1: I think that it is somewhat interesting. I I do wonder if there's going to be a connection between kind of him and Bell and just Gallifrey in general. Yeah. Some some knowledge of Gallifrey, or they maybe used to live in Gallifrey, and um, I don't know because the Gallifrey society is interesting in that seems like there's definitely the elite, and then there's kind of the the non, and maybe they're maybe they're from Gallifrey, but they weren't part of the elite that got kind of those special powers, so there's an awareness or connection to the culture, but you know, not the same way or maybe it's completely disassociated, but they, yeah, like you said, he, he does know what a TARDIS is. Yeah. So yeah, more, more to be revealed, but anything stand out to you for, for the first look of the next episode?
0: Um, I think where this episode ends is pretty, pretty important. The fact that they all get on the TARDIS and it seems like things are actually going good for them, right direction, Yaz looks at her phone An Angel is there on her phone in the TARDIS. And then the Angel comes out and then the episode ends with the doctor yelling, the Angel has the TARDIS, um, as opposed to the Angels have the phone box. Like it's, it's on the nose, um, but the Angel has the TARDIS and they're going somewhere.
1: Right. And the, the Angels are, yeah, I don't know where they're taking them, but we do know based on the previews for the next episode that the doctor ends up in, was it nineteen sixty-three or something?
0: Yeah, we're we're reintroduced to Claire from a Halloween apocalypse where she showed up. She seemed like she knew Doctor and Yaz, and then she disappears and gets taken by an
1: angel. Yeah, yeah. So we're maybe we're gonna see where where she met them and why she remembers them, but they don't they don't remember her. Yeah, because they hadn't met her yet. But maybe this is the part where we kind of get more information around that. But I was looking through the trailer. Nothing, like, too crazy. Um, It's a a pretty short little kind of trailer, about 20, 25, 26 seconds of of little clips from the next episode. But it's not really anything that's, you know, super groundbreaking. We know they're going to go to this town. The town has, you know, it's in the news that everybody disappears from this town. And it's from the 1960s, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, and they seem to be surrounded by some weeping angels. So We're going to get a full-on e- weeping angel episode.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
1: I hope it's handled well. <laughs> weeping angels are, are have been interesting in how they've evolved in, in Doctor Who. What started out as a pretty simple concept got a little convoluted, I'd say, over the years. Of yeah kind of what they can do and kind of how their how their powers work so but i do like to see them and they're they're they haven't really been focused on as the main villain in an episode in quite a while so to have them be the focus of an episode will be will be pretty cool
0: yeah i'm i'm based on the past 3 episodes i'm really looking forward to this next one um i think Any other series, I'd be a little bit more hesitant about seeing the angels show up and wondering how they're going to handle them. I'm feeling pretty good about this one though.
1: Yeah, they've they've done good so far. We're heading into the fourth episode of six. You know, so we only have you know three left, three episodes left. Uh, They did they did reveal a little bit about the Doctor Who's one of the Doctor Who specials. Yeah, that's coming up. Uh, they did say that that Jodie Whittaker's final episode will be part of the centennial celebration, and it's going to happen in the autumn, is what they said, the autumn of 2022. So we're looking at um, her final episode happening, you know, sometime between the uh, months, probably of September, October, right?
0: Yeah, it sounds about right. November, I, I guess and...
1: November maybe too. I guess maybe about this time of year next year. So we're, we're probably a year away from, from her final episode.
0: Yeah. So we have the New Year's special, um, January 1st, 2022. And then we have the centennial celebration, um,
1: autumn of 2022. So there's another one somewhere in there. Is there, is there three specials? They said oh, they... three specials for her.
0: Okay. Okay. Then so, yeah, there's, there's another one mixed in there somewhere.
1: Yeah, right. Because they did say, I guess the other news wasn't. I don't think it was officially released, but there was some sort of a some f- screenshot somebody got from a publication. Yeah, that had said that the the New Year's special um, was coming. <laughs> so we know that we'll know there will be a New Year's special with her. We know that her final episode is about a year from now, but somewhere in between there, they're going to do another special with her. So be interesting to see how much they connect what's happening now into these episodes or if they kind of do a whole different thing
0: yeah i i don't know i think i mentioned it to you in a text message like i seriously it would not come as a surprise to me if they were just like you know what everything comes to an end this universe is done we're starting over um it would be a little dramatic and honestly saying it out loud doesn't sound nearly as good as saying it in my head. Um, but it's just, it's so interesting that they're talking about everything ending so consistently.
1: And what would that mean to you if they decided that, okay, we're, we're going to follow through with this, like the, the universe, as we know it is ending. Do you think that means a clean slate for, you know, Dr. Who, then the next doctor is kind of the new first doctor. Like how, how clean slate are we talking here?
0: I, I think it would be, I don't know. I, I, maybe not so much to that point, but I'm thinking more like ninth doctor with Eccleston where it was, you knew there was a connection, but none of that connection, none of that story really influenced your ability to start watching moving forward. Where there wasn't, there didn't seem to be like all of this, this baggage, this history that was tied to it. Um, as you jumped into it, there were these fun little tidbits that you could go back and grab a hold of classic stuff. Um, but it very much was like, hey, this is a new character, new storyline. Let's jump in and move forward. I wouldn't be surprised if the start of the Davies era kind of took that approach, where it was more of a clean break, where Yeah, there's all this stuff that has happened before, but don't expect all of that to tie into things moving forward.
1: Yeah, like kind of a soft reboot, which I think is kind of what they do almost anytime there's a new showrunner. You know, because you could say that even with with Smith and Moffat when they started, they kind of it had a whole div- different feel to it. You know, that was a, a big transition and just a look and feel of the show. And they didn't connect a lot to previous stuff that happened with Tenet. Now, over as time went on, they started to connect more. But I think that that's probably what we can expect from from a new Davies era is that, you know, a clean break and, a, you know, just a new look and feel. Even Chibnall, you know, starting with, with Jody Whitaker, You know, it was just a different take on the doctor so um almost every time they they do a a shift in in showrunner it's kind of like a soft reboot
0: I, i think there's the soft reboot but then i think there's also taking a tangible steps to not necessarily reboot the show but reboot the fan base like reboot the expectations of the fan base like doing something so that there is not that expectation of well, what from Capaldi carries over to Whitaker? What from um, Smith carries over to Capaldi? Like, what are these tangents that are gonna be flowing, these threads that are gonna be flowing between doctors? Because although it does have a different look and feel, you still have that expectation of stuff kind of like bleeding through. I I think that is more of what I have in mind where it just stops, and we get kind of a new everything moving forward. Is it going to happen? Probably not. But with all this talk of like the universe ending and time being so messed up, uh, I don't know. It it feels like there's something more to that than what they're they're uh, what they're what they're giving on to. I don't even think that's a proper phrase.
1: But... <laughs> they're setting us up for a, a transition. Yeah. You're saying. Okay. I I will I will take the opposite uh prediction then. <laughs> I think that, I think we'll get, you know, just like I think it'll be a soft reboot like typical, but I don't think there's going to be any kind of uh universe ending event that um because you know why I don't think that? Because that would mean the doctor in some way would have to lose uh what she's trying to accomplish in saving the the universe and, and what's happening right now. And if they had where the, the universe ended, it would mean that she lost. And I don't think that would be a, a very good way to send out a doctor.
0: I, I hear that. I hear that.
1: It didn't, but you know, cause when we got introduced to Eccleston and he, he shows up with the baggage of what he had done in the time war, we didn't see that happen. Right. Right. Like that wasn't like, Oh wow. We saw the failure of the doctor. It was a part of the story. Whereas the way that it maybe not, but the way I feel like you're you're going with it is that she would there would be a failure that would happen that we would see you know with her in you know kind of ending the universe for her yeah Adam with his bold predictions
0: Adam with his bold off the wall predictions, I will say the doctor is the doctor is different at the end of this episode
1: oh yeah, that's a good call out, yeah, she's yeah. mean. Yeah, she snaps and I like at it. Yaz like not once but twice. Yeah, and it's good. And she kind of snaps at Dan too. Absolutely. You know, yeah, and she tries to, you know, we'll be fi- Dan. We're gonna save her. We're gonna do this. We're gonna, you know, she kind of s- tries to backpedal a little bit, but, uh, yeah, she definitely snaps at Yaz because Yaz is starting to, you know, question, ask questions, you know, like yeah. what, what happened or what did you? And the doctor's like, do I have to tell you everything? Like, is everything? You know, it just, it was a uh, notable and she had done it in previous episodes. I think we had kind of pointed out how she was being a bit rude.
0: She, she has, and it felt out of place in those other episodes. This episode though, it doesn't, this episode, it feels like spot on for what you, you would expect for how she responded in other places in this episode. Like there, there's, there's something about her where she is very determined to find answers and there's something about her that wants these answers very badly to the point where she's now it feels like she's almost going to steamroll anyone and anything to get to where she wants to go
1: and it's very doctor like it's very in yeah. character for doc for every version of the doctor that i've watched uh, to have these moments and and i know i've talked about it before how the doctor kind of shifts between you know caring for their companions so much and then also sometimes treating them like inferiors and this is a very much a moment where I think as much as the doctor tries to you know show that she cares for these characters and wants to save them in the end and I'll always stand by this (laughs) in the end I don't think the doctor sees them as equals Yeah, I think that's part of the part of the baggage um, of of being the doctor is knowing that, you know, anyone that she travels with is not going to necessarily be able to kind of equal her in intelligence and what she's uh, not only intelligent, but just what she has lived through and the experiences that she's had. And so I think when these moments come out where, you know, someone like Yaz, who is obviously she cares for and they're very close, but she kind of, the true doctor comes through in that moment where she's like, stop talking you don't matter right now (laughs) you know yeah and it sounds harsh but that those are kind of the moments i like to see because it shows the complexity of the doctor and that she's not just this you know fun character that they get to travel with and take basically take them on these vacations and stuff like no she's she's a super complex character that's lived for thousands and thousands of years and you know there's there just isn't a companion that can can relate to her
0: yeah she it feels like she finally has after three series she finally has a purpose like she she has gone from the point of just like hey fam like we're just going on fun adventures kind of just wandering around to now she is like she has
1: a purpose and
0: not necessarily fam anymore
1: yeah and there's a selfishness to it oh yeah that the doctor always has and it has i think has to always fight that mentality or fight that desire sometimes to to you know just she's got this one focus now where she's like I need to find out about um, you know where I'm from in my past and I need to get these questions answered and you know it, it'll be interesting to see if they if there's some side effects to that or some collateral damage to the people that she's traveling with yeah alright well I'm excited for the next couple episodes but for now we're gonna wrap up this episode of Bad Wolf Radio sounds good um, thanks everyone for listening you can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts um, or any of the other pod catchers you can also join our conversation over at our Facebook group uh, we've had a lot of conversation around these last couple episodes and um, some back and forth between some of our listeners so it's, it's always a fun conversation we always appreciate everyone that participates and um yeah until next time all is
0: ending and don't come looking for this you can go
1: (laughs) don't come looking for this what what is this what is this what is she not supposed to come looking for i thought she was talking about that like little bottle she was holding in her hands don't come looking
0: for this plant food
1: Nope, I'm pretty sure that's not what she's talking about. No,
0: not her special formula Miracle miracle Girl. <laughs> it, it's some interdimensional formula where she lives by herself. She is...